Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up? family and friends. Happy Memorial Day. My name's Nathan. If I hadn't a chance to meet you yet, I'm one of the pastors here. Bunch of people tuning in from the beach this week. Uh, Thanks for joining us online, whether you're in a hotel or on the road right now. Uh, Thanks for crashing the party. And listen, I know maybe you weren't planning on this, but if you have vacation this summer, real talk, we want to go with you, okay? So if you're going to the beach, we want to come. If you're going to Disney World, we want to come. If you're going to the West Coast, uh, we want to come. Uh, so just like you're planning all your meals and all where you're going to stay and what you're going to do, uh, if you're going to be traveling on a Sunday, then carve out some time uh, with your family to stream the service and worship with us at 11 o'clock on a Sunday. You can uh, put your phone on the dashboard of your car or put it on the hotel TV or stream it on the beach. We feel sorry for you. If you're on the beach right now, I'm sorry. That must be miserable. Uh, and so, but e- either way, we want to go. So uh, this summer, big shout out to the production team. We have a whole team downstairs that uh, mixes the sound and the video and makes it all happen and makes us look better than we are. Um, I get that a lot. When people, when people watch online and then they show up in person, they're like, oh, I thought you'd be a lot taller. And um, so I was like, ah, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, so if you think I'm tall, keep watching online and uh, just be a part of the online campus. Uh, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. And if you grew up in the South, then you know this, football is king. And I'm not talking about just South Carolina Gamecocks versus Clemson Tigers Saturday football or just watching the Panthers play on Sunday. Friday night lights in South Carolina is a big deal. In fact, we had this uh, little funny saying uh, when I was growing up, if you want to rob someone's house, you should break in on a Friday night because everybody is going to be at the high school football game on a Friday night. Uh, we had thousands of people that attended our, our high school football games. The, the high school I went to, we, man, we were really good, went to the state championship frequently. We had a guy that was there that, that got drafted in the NFL. When I was in high school, he, he played and uh, got drafted uh, and, and became the, the highest paid defensive player in history of the NFL at the time. And uh, he was in my geometry class uh, with me. And um, so I told him, like, I'm not taking credit for it, but he would not have gotten out of that geometry class if he were not sitting beside me. And uh, it's not because I let him cheat off my paper, uh, because when you're seven foot tall and 300 pounds, you cheat off anybody's paper you want to. <laughs> like, like, he just told me, he's like, I'm going to look at your paper at the test. I was like, yes, sir, <laughs> you do whatever. So he got a C in geometry that year because he copied off the wrong guy's test. But he got out. C stands for cap and gown. So he is now making money. I told him as he transitioned out, I said, hey, Albert, his name's Albert Hainsworth. I said, Albert, uh, when you get to the top, don't forget about me. And like I said, he became the highest paid NFL defensive player, got drafted uh, 15th uh, in the first round. Do you think your boy remembered to call me? No, he has not. Uh, has not called me, so he forgot about me. But um, man, football was crazy in South Carolina. And, and what was interesting about us is most football teams have a rivalry game, right? Maybe it's the last game of the year. But it seemed like in South Carolina, everyone was everyone's rival, <laughs> Uh, I mean, there, there were people that were shouting, and, and I'm talking about like old grandmas. You ever seen an old grandma at a South Carolina high school football game? They will cuss. You ever seen a cussing grandma? I have. 
Uh, it happened at a football game. Um, they're, they're just loud. It is chippy during the game. It's rowdy. It's loud. And everybody's having a great time. We're talking a lot of trash. And there's fights on the field breaking out. And it's intense. But there's one aspect of high school football uh, that I, I don't know if this happened where you grew up, but it, it happened where, where I did. That it was an interesting part of the game that I'll never forget. And it happened when one of the student athletes got hurt. What happens when somebody gets hurt on the field and instead of just popping right up, all of a sudden you see them laying on the ground and they're not moving. And the other players are calling for the medical staff to come in and then you see these guys with all their bags and stuff running out there. Here's what happens. Crazy. You have a stadium filled with thousands of people and in an instant you can hear a pin drop. And everybody that's on the field, both teams, cheerleaders, players, coaches, band, everybody that's on the field, what do they do? Everybody takes a knee. And it doesn't matter. For, for the first time in the game, the grandma that was cussing all the other team players out is, is now heartbroken over it. Because the parents, they look out on the field and they say, well, that, that could be my son. And, and, and their heart goes out to the parents and their heart goes out to the other team. And then, and then it's crazy. What, what happens when the player gets up? The whole stadium does the same thing. They start to clap. And then you realize, like, you're, you're clapping for the other team. And, like, in that moment, uh, it, it's not us versus them anymore. It's, it's us. It's all us. And all we care about is, is that, that injury, that, that hurt that's on the field at the moment. And I think we're at a place in, in our culture where we forgot how to do that. We're so against each other, and we're such rivals and in a culture dominated with division and, and hurt and pain and shame, we forgot what it was like to look at people that are in need, that are hurting, injured players on the field of life, and actually have compassion on them, and actually care, and actually for a moment help ourselves to recall what this is all about, what life is all about. It's funny, man, because we can get jaded. We can get callous when certain things happen in life. And it can happen when good things happen or bad things happen. You know, the first time you experience something really good, really cool, it's exciting and you're posting pictures about it and you're just awestruck by it and, and it's a great thing. But you do that, that same thing three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, all of a sudden, it's really not that cool anymore. Think about when bad things happen in life. First things that happens, we're in shock. We're heartbroken over it. Can't believe it outraged over it but let it happen again and again and 9 10 11 12 times and what happens you get callous you just say oh it happened again and what eventually was such a big deal to you now becomes just like well this is just a normal everyday part of of life and and part of the part of the day see jesus talked about something in scripture there's a subtle aspect of his teachings that I want to talk about today that kind of really speaks into the moment that I feel like we're in in a culture right now. That, that, that moment where we can't see a need or brokenness or sin in front of us and actually be heartbroken over it uh, and actually show compassion towards it. Jesus said it like this, if you're looking at a hurting, broken world and it doesn't move your heart, then something's wrong. As followers of Jesus, if our heart is not broken over what breaks God's heart and what broke Jesus' heart, then something's missing. 
It's time to pump the brakes when we become so divided and and so outraged over things that we can't even get common ground on the needs that are in front of us. And Jesus talks about this in in multiple scriptures in in the Bible. And and as a follower of Jesus, I just got to tell you, man, if your heart does not get broken over what breaks God's heart, then you are missing something. Something's wrong. That should be a huge red flag in your life. In a a 24-hour news cycle, that is filled with violence and racism and division and hatred towards people, it can be really easy to lose yourself in it. It can be really easy just to brush it off. It can be really easy to respond in a weird way. Now, now we respond in a lot of different ways. Everybody in here probably responds differently. There are some people that when something happens in the world that they don't like, that is shameful, that is sinful, that is broken, um, many people respond with outrage. You ever met people like that? They're just outraged about everything. They're just mad at everything. No matter what happens, no matter who loses or wins, like I'm just mad. I'm just, I'm just outraged over everything. That's somehow, somehow people will respond to that and be offended at everything. Th- then you meet people that are head shakers, right? You look at the news, you see what's going on and they're just like, hmm, wow, can't believe it. And they just, they just shake their head over, man, the world today. Whew. But they never do anything about it. You have some people that no matter what happens, they complain about it, right? Everything is wrong, everything is broken, everything's not right, and I'm just going to complain about it and, and, and pile up on it. And then you have people that if we're not careful, this is who we can become. Uh, we're just apathetic, we just don't care. Something happens, and that, well, it's, this is the hundredth time it happens, so uh, welcome to a Tuesday. Uh, or, well, you know, that, that's just how it works. That's just, that's just what happens in our life. And we can get jaded. Like, it's just, just kind of like a, a thin film can develop over our hearts where our hearts don't go out for those things. And, and Jesus warned about that. Jesus actually offers a, a solution. What do you do when things like that happen and, and you find yourself in a place where it just feels like it doesn't matter anymore? It doesn't impact you like it does. It doesn't move your heart. You're not moved towards compassion. Your heart's not broken for it. It doesn't demand a response from you. Jesus offers us a a solution, and uh, heads up, spoiler alert, it is not more education, it is not more awareness, it is not more guilt, it is not passing blame, it is not offering judgment. Jesus doesn't say we need more money, he doesn't say you need to throw more programs at it, Jesus doesn't say you need to change the laws. Here's what Jesus says. You and I need to have the right perspective about what happens in life. You want to have the right response? It'll never happen until you have the right perspective. Jesus was big on perspective. He called religious people out. He's like, man, you guys want to argue theology and who's right and who's wrong on this. And you got needs all around you and nobody cares. Like you stay in the churches all day and and, and talk about these things. but, But what about the needs that are in front of you right now? The physical, the emotional, the relational, the spiritual needs of people all around you. If you get to the point where your heart is so hardened by it that you just don't care anymore, then you got a problem. Jesus called people out for that. And I want to share a story with you in Luke chapter 16 about uh, an instance of what happens in our life when we begin to have an eternal perspective. Jesus says you need to have not a temporal perspective, but an eternal perspective on life. I hope you realize, you're going to realize by the end of this talk, I hope you realize that What you see right here, right in front of you, your time here on earth is not the only thing there is to this life. Scripture tells us that our time here is like a mist, like a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. 
And Jesus is going to tell this story in Luke chapter 16. Let me, let me lay the groundwork for it here in, in verse 19. Jesus said there, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Here's the setting. There was a rich man who had everything, all the nice clothes, all the nice houses. He lived in a gated community, as scripture tells us. And he had it all, dressed nice, ate nice, had nice possessions. And then there was a man named Lazarus who was a beggar, different Lazarus than the one that Jesus healed and uh, raised from the grave. But this man was broken. He was hurting. Uh, his life was in complete shambles. Even physically, Scripture tells us he was in, in really bad shape. <laughs> scripture says that the dogs would come by and lick the wounds of the man. Isn't it interesting that the dogs, the animals, had more compassion on the man than the rich guy did? That, that, that's crazy when we get to a point in life where the animals felt sorry for the needs and the broken and the hurting and the poor more than you and I. This rich man did, did nothing. At least the dogs came by to try to console him and offer, offer what they could to him. Uh, but I want to I share with you a, a quote from President Theodore Roosevelt that I am convinced, I don't know this uh, personally, like factually, but I'm convinced that he got this quote from this story right here. And it's the starting point that I want to challenge you on today. Here it is. Here's what President Roosevelt said. Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. You want to make an impact in a world that is hurting both physically and emotionally, relationally, sexually, spiritually. You want to make an impact in those lives around you while the world burns? Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. It's straight from this text. Start where you are. Did you notice that Lazarus, the, the poor, hurting, broken man, was, Scripture says he was at his gate, at the rich man's gate, not the gates to the town, but he was literally at the end of this man's driveway. Every time he would have gone into his own house, he would have seen this need that was sitting right there at the front gate. But yet, he chose not to do anything about it. He could have just, I'm not asking you to solve homelessness all over the world. I'm just saying, who's at your gate? Who's at the end of your driveway? Who's in the city right now that needs it? What would it look like for us to start where we are? Just, just look here, just, just start here, just meet a need here. Just show compassion here. Just have a different perspective about the people that are around you here. Start where you are. Now use what you have. Listen to what the, the, the man Lazarus, this poor hurting broken man, listen to what he wanted. He said all he wanted, scripture tells us, is the crumbs off of the rich man's table. The rich man could have looked down and said, I can just use what I have. I don't need to go buy something else. I don't need to go to any other training. Like, I don't need to get certified in anything. I don't have to do anything special. Like, I have it right here. It's my leftovers. Like, the stuff that I'm not even going to eat. Like, literally, like, just sweeping the crumbs off of my table. There's a guy out there that would love to have that. This food on my plate that I'm just getting ready to pitch in the garbage can, I just need to use what I have. Start where you are. And use what you have. Did you know that you have everything that you need to do what God's called you to do? You're not waiting on anything else. God's given you everything. He's equipped you with what you need to say yes to him. 
Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. This rich man was not going to change the face of homelessness in his area, but he could have helped one guy. He could have done what he could. See, we're in this world right now that believes that, that unless we can make massive change, then it's really not worth it. It's not worth it for us to sacrifice to help one person. That's not going to move the needle, man. It's not going to push the ball down the field. So, so if I can't like totally eliminate a problem, then it's not worth starting small. It's wrong. You can't help everybody. You might not be able to change the world, but you can change your world. You can change the people in your spheres of influence. You can change the, the people that you work with, that you play with, that you eat with, that you shop with. Wherever you study, wherever you hang out, there's your sphere of influence. You can start there. And you can use what you have, and you can do what you can. This man had an opportunity to, to do that, and unfortunately, he blew it. Totally missed it. And here, here's what happens. In verse 22, it says, The time came when the beggar died. And the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So Abraham's side is a nickname for heaven. Like today we would say they went to be with Jesus. Jesus was not in heaven yet. He was right here in the story. And so they would say he's sent to Abraham's side. It's another way of saying Lazarus died and he went to, to heaven. The rich man also died and he was buried. In Hades where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him. Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Both men die. One man goes to heaven. One man goes to hell And this is the first time in the story where the rich man gains a new perspective. For the very first time in his life, he realized that there was something beyond just our life here on earth. Because in that moment when he died, he realized that the the book did not close on his life. The page has just turned and he started a new chapter. I hope every one of you know that. That your life here, what you see here on earth, just going to work and making money and having a house and eating food and being with family, that is not all that life is. And this man, for the very first time, began to have an eternal perspective. Now here's where I want to warn you. For this man, it was too late. Every single person in this room and watching online, one day you will be gifted an eternal perspective. The question is not whether or not you believe that. The question is, when are you going to believe that? Will you choose to believe it now? Or will you realize it when it's too late? There is something beyond our life here on earth. And with an eternal perspective, man, it changes how you view things. It changes how you look at people and how you look at problems. It changes how you interact with people. Now, now in verse 19 through 21, I want you to see, Scripture was very specific on what this man was like. He was a rich man, and they described his clothes, they described his possessions and everything that he had. And did you notice the difference that happened once he died? All of that was gone. 
They, they don't describe him as, oh yes, and then the man died and, and, and after the life he had purple linens and nice clothes and driving a nice car and living in a gated community. They said, nope, he died and he was buried. And that was it. And we realize right now, like he realized for the first time that all of those things that he thought life was all about, all of a sudden don't matter. Everything that you work hard for, I'm not against possessions, I'm not, hard, I'm not against hard work, but eventually, one day, it all burns. You'll realize that there's more to life than just chasing what we have here. And unfortunately for this man, it was too late. Remember, one day, everyone in this room will realize that. The question is, will you realize it in time for your perspective to change and for your life to change, or will you wait until it's too late? This man waited until it was, it was too late. But in that moment, he realized what was really important. He realized what, what actually mattered in life. And he called out to Abraham and says, think about how desperate this guy was. He said, can you do me a favor, Abraham? Like, can you just let Lazarus dip his finger in cold water and tell Lazarus to place his finger on my tongue? Because it is so hot here. I am in anguish here. I just want to make something clear. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you think hell is a real place or not. Maybe you just think when you die, like you just cease to exist. Um, can you read that language? Like, do you see that? Does that sound like make-believe? Does that sound like a made-up place? Think about how desperate he is. Like, I'm just, this is me right here. Like, I'm to the point in my life, please don't judge me on this. I'm to the point in my life uh, where I'm almost too good to drink tap water. Is there anybody else in here that's like, like, I, like if it's not bottled water, I'm just like gross, right? I won't even drink. It has to run through my refrigerator, through the filter, you know, that hasn't been changed in three or four years. So it really doesn't matter, I guess. But like, like I'm just like, if I see somebody like pouring it out of the tap, I'm like, gross. Do you know what's in that tap water? So I don't, I'm at the point where I only drink bottled water. Can you imagine how bad it was for this man that, that he would say, I just want you to dip your finger in some cold water and tell Lazarus to put his finger in my mouth. Gross. That is desperate, man. He didn't say, can you bring me a bottle of water and, and can you just make sure it's cold because I don't like room temperature water and that's just gross, I want to spit it out. Nah. He didn't say, can you give me some tap water? He didn't say, I don't even care if you pour it out of the hose that's in your backyard. Like, I'll take that. He's like, stick your dirty finger in the water and touch the tip of my tongue. That's how desperate he was. That was all he could think about. And Abraham said, sorry, man, it's too late. You had an opportunity while you were here on earth to have an eternal perspective. And now you do have an eternal perspective, but there's nothing you can do about it. You waited too late. And these next few verses show us how an eternal perspective changed his outlook. And my, my hope is that today you would look at these three things that we see in this text and say, like, now's the time. Today is the day for you to change that perspective because eventually you're coming up on a day really quick that we're all headed to where it will be too late. When, when this man's perspective changed, this is what happened in verse 27. He said, well, he, he answered, then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family for I have five brothers. Let him warm them 
so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let, let them listen to them. He says, man, it's too late. Please send, send someone to my brothers. Send someone to this one family because I don't want them to make the same mistake that, that I made. Did you see that change? It's a drastic change. This man went from thinking about himself and only himself his whole life to now the only thing that matters is other people. Like totally different change that happened in his life. And why? Because God gave him an eternal perspective. He began to see things differently than he had ever seen them before. So I want to learn with you. Uh, I, I think there's three shifts that I want to leave you with as we close out today. Three shifts that we need to have to have an eternal perspective. If you're at the point where you see brokenness and sin and hurt all around you and it does not move you to compassion, if your heart is not stirred and broken over the things that break God's heart, then please, please dial in over these next few moments. Write these down. Because here's the three changes that happen in, in his life. The first one is this. When God gives you an eternal perspective, he moves your life from apathy to empathy. Apathy to empathy. How do you know if you are apathetic towards the things that break God's heart? Here, here's some phrases that, man, I, I, I'm guilty of these, I know. You ever said this? Hey, man, it is what it is. It is what it is. What are you gonna do about it? That's apathy. What can we do about it? I mean, this is just the world that we live in, right? This is what happens. Sin breaks the world and people go crazy. That's life. Blame Eve. <laughs> That's apathy. What are you going to do about it? Nothing really we can do about it. That's apathy versus, versus empathy steps in and is able to relate to people's problems and able to see past that. And you actually care about things that don't directly affect you. This man moved from, I could care less, I only care about myself, to now the only thing he cares about is others. These five brothers that he has, one family, please, please, someone go tell them so that they can avoid what I have right now. Move from apathy to empathy. Second thing is this, um, we need to move from, it's not my problem, it's not my problem, Nathan, to how can I help? You ever said that before? Something goes on in the world and, ah, not my problem. <laughs> Didn't happen in my community. Doesn't happen with the, with the people that I roll with. Didn't happen in my state. Didn't happen in my country. Happened on the other side of town. Doesn't happen to people like me, so not my problem. This man walked past Lazarus every single day as he walked into his driveway. He saw the problem and he just walked by, but not my problem. Shoot, man, that's the reason why I built the gate. I only care about what happens inside the gate. I don't care what happens outside the gate. Outside the gate, not my problem. Inside the gate, my problem. Lazarus is on the outside. And every day, he could have walked by and said, how can I help? Here's a need. See a need, meet a need. How can I help this one that's right outside of my gate right now? It's not my problem, says phrases like, well, this doesn't affect me. Whatever's going on in the world, whatever's hurting, whatever's broken, whatever sin and shame and regret and remorse are going on in people's lives, doesn't affect me. So why worry about it? It's not my problem. It says, well, it didn't happen here. It didn't happen in my community. It doesn't happen to people like me, whatever my socioeconomic status is. It doesn't happen to me, so it doesn't affect me. So it's not my problem. Let them worry about that. I'm not going to, to worry about that. Paul warns us 
that there's two different sides of the spectrum that we can fall on. We can fall onto this category of it's not my problem. And he describes those people in Philippians chapter 2, verse 21. He says, others are interested only in their own lives. They don't care about the work of Christ Jesus. Narcissistic, self-serving, self-centered, self-focused, self-absorbed people. You know a lot of people like that. Paul says that's not what we're called to. A few verses earlier, he says, this is what it means to have an eternal perspective. This is what we're called to in in Philippians chapter two, verse three. In whatever you do, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Be humble and honor others more than yourselves. Don't be interested only in your own life, but care about the lives of others too. The rich man walked right by the guy. He says, I only care about my life. Do not care about the needs of others. Don't care about the brokenness of others. Don't care about the physical, emotional, spiritual needs of other people. It's all about me, not my problem. We gotta move from that to how can I help? Because now all of a sudden when this guy's got an eternal perspective, he's like, how can I help? Can I beg Abraham to send Lazarus to, to 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 my family? How can I help? What do I gotta do? Do I got to pay you? Do I have to beg? Can you send me? Can you send you? Can you send somebody? Can somebody meet this need? How, what's my responsibility to it? All of a sudden, he cared a lot about other people in this moment. Where his whole life, because he had a temporary perspective, he would walk by every problem that he had, not brokenhearted, not even seeing it, not even noticing it. Last one, we got to move from what difference does it make to I can make a difference. What difference does it make? So we feed one family. So we help one person. So we partner with one elementary school. So we reach one neighborhood. What's one person? What, what's one ministry? What's one church? I mean, what can just one church do? I mean, yeah, I mean, like we could do some stuff, but we can't tackle all 300,000 people that live in the area. We can't do that. And we get in this mindset that if we can't change the world, then we're not going to change anything. And in the eternal perspective begins to shift that. And it says, do for one what you'd like to do for all. I know you can't do it for all. You can't afford it. You don't have enough time. You don't have the resources. You don't have the bandwidth to do for all, but you can do for one. You can meet the guy at the end of your driveway. You can start where you are and use what you have and do what you can. That's what an eternal perspective provides us. All of a sudden now, the only thing he can think about is helping others. I got five brothers, Lazarus. Please go to them. Please tell them. Please help them. Please reach out to them. I wasted my life not caring about anybody else, but please, someone go care for them right now. That's what happens when you have an eternal perspective. He begged just to be able to go back and somebody change one family. But while he was on earth, he didn't care about one family. He only cared about himself. One day, we will all realize that we have to have an eternal perspective. For this man, it was too late. Good news. For you, it is not too late. You can make the decision now. Man, God, help me. I got to move from apathy to empathy. I got to move from not my problem to what can I do? How can I be a part of the solution? Got to move from, well, I I can't change anything. What difference does it make to I can make a difference? Even if it's just one person. Man, I I wish I had time to tell you the ministry needs that we're meeting. And we're we're partnering with organizations in the city that that are combating the idea of childhood hunger. Do you know Winston-Salem's one of the top cities in the nation per capita for childhood hunger? 
Statistics say that one out of every four children in North Carolina does not have the nutritional needs that that they need to survive. That that Winston-Salem alone leads the nation. A while back, we led the nation, number one in the nation per capita for childhood hunger. And Revo is partnering with various organizations to provide meals for kids, backpack programs on the weekends. Uh, We're we're partnering with an organization called Hope Winston-Salem that provides food. We're doing that. We're seeing a need and meeting a need. And the reason why I tell you that is because I want to thank you. Because you give. You make it happen. Your generosity, week in and week out. You are not the type of people that are going to walk by the broken, sinful, hurting people at the end of the road, at the end of the gate, and just walk by and say, I'm not going to do anything about it. So we serve, we love, we partner with three different um, pregnancy care organizations here in the city. Three different ones. Each campus has adopted one where for women that have unplanned pregnancies and they don't know what to do and they don't know what their choices are and they don't, they don't have any solution, they don't have anywhere to go. And we partner with organizations like that. I, I, I know you're reading stuff in the national newspapers and stuff going on in DC, but here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start where we are and we're gonna use what we have and we're gonna do what we can. We can't change everything, but we can partner with those three organizations. And we do that with our time and with our talent and our treasures, and you do that, so thank you. If you've ever given a dollar to Revo Church, you've gone to support ministries like that one. You've gone to put food in the stomachs of kids in our city that don't have it. And so I could go on and on and on and tell you stories of the ministry partners that, that we have that you are helping to meet the need. But I wanna make sure that, that we don't get caught up in just the physical needs. Hey, I love feeding kids. Uh, I love providing free counseling to people in the city, Christian-based counseling. I, I love uh, meeting the needs of, of pregnant moms that are confused and don't know what they're gonna do and have a lot of choices and moms that have a kid and, and then they can't afford formula and diapers. I love meeting needs like that. But that's not the sole part of what an eternal perspective is about. The real reason is verse 26. Yeah, skip verse 26. If you're type A, you knew that. And like you've been angry this whole time because you're like, you jump from verse 25 to verse 27, you skip the verse. Let me close with verse 26. Abraham is speaking to this rich young ruler and he says, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross from over there to us. Abraham says, sorry, man, I can't send Lazarus to you. I can't send Lazarus to your brothers because there's this huge gap between where you are and where God is. It's a huge chasm. And sorry, there's no way for you to get here. You waited too late. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I can imagine that as Jesus was speaking, verse 26, he had a little smile on his face. Because he says, you don't know this, but there's a gap between the sins of man and reconciliation with the Father. And one day there will be a man that gives his life so that that gap can be closed. And they didn't know it, but Jesus knew it. He said, that man's me. And so I'm for meeting physical needs and emotional needs, but, but our biggest need is a spiritual need. It's not life and death from hunger, it's life and death spiritually. It's the difference between your life being a vapor in the wind and where your eternity goes. Every single person in this room has a destination for their eternity. It will be one of two places. 
and without an eternal perspective, it will be too late for you. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, once we make that decision to trust in him and understand what he's done for us, it changes us. It changes how we treat people. It changes how we view problems. I call it, it gives us an eternal perspective. And so I want to leave you with that challenge. If that's you, if you're a follower of Jesus and your heart is not breaking for what breaks God's, something is wrong. We got the wrong perspective. We got the wrong priorities. And I don't want you to wait until it's too late. I don't want you to spend your life chasing stuff that is all going to be gone one day and look back with regret and remorse over what you missed, just like this man did. There is no plan B. Jesus is not sending anyone else to the city of Winston-Salem. It's us. It's the church. So we are not going to walk down to the end of our gate and see needs and not meet it. We are not going to turn a blind eye and say, it's not my problem. We're not going to wait on another Savior to come. We have everything we need to do what God has called us to do. He placed us in this city at this time to meet the need, and we have it. And it will not be just physical or emotional. It's a spiritual need as we take the gospel to a hurting, broken world. And as your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers are like that injured football player on the middle of the field, and spiritually they are limp and lifeless, I hope that that eternal perspective will bring you to a point of pause and rise above the division and everything that you have opposite of the people of the world and you begin to have a broken heart for the needs that are around us. That's how the church changes the world. That's how we make a difference. We start where we are, we use what we have, and we do what we can. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, now's the time. Now's the time. What are you waiting here? Don't, don't leave here. Today's the day of salvation. Paul writes that in 1 Corinthians. Today is the day. Watch how Jesus not only changes your life today, but gives you an eternal perspective. Don't wait. It's not too late. If you want some information on that, man, our team would love to connect with you. You can take that red next step card in front of you. There's a box at the top that says, I want to make a decision for Christ. One of our team, maybe you don't even know how to do that or what that looks like. One of our pastors will reach out to you and just have a conversation and introduce you to the Jesus that changed our life and that gave us a perspective that moved from apathy to empathy. I wanna see God do something incredible through the church here in Winston-Salem and you and I get to play a part in it. So let's go, let's go. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this reminder. I know it's solemn but thank you for giving us an eternal perspective that life is so much more than just what we see here. It's more than just what we eat and drink and the size of our house and what kind of car we drive. We were called and created for more than that. So help us right now, not not to be like this rich young man that just blew his life on stuff that didn't matter that lived a life of apathy towards the things that broke the heart of God. But God, get us aligned with your heart. Get us moving and pointed in the right direction. And God, as we remember the sacrifice of so many on a special weekend like Memorial Day weekend, God, I I can't help but to be reminded of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, the one that gave us our true freedom in life 
that still gives that freedom to us today. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we have just heard. I pray and ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.